As you can see, we're going to be in John 17, but before that comes, let's play a quick game. Simon says, put your hand up. One hand doesn't matter, okay? Simon says, put your hand down. Simon says, look down. Simon says, look up. Look down. You're already out. Look at you, okay? Jesus says to Satan in Matthew 4, 4, while being tempted, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 24, every one who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus said in, Matt, in, in John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears these words, uh, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. And Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In John 14, 15, and again in 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus said in John 6, 67, after giving a hard saying to the people, and all of them turned away, he looked at his disciples and said, do you want to go away as well? Simon said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Graduates, I want to congratulate you on the fruit of your labors. I've been there. I didn't get a t-shirt. They didn't have them in like 4X at the time. Um, but you are about to embark in a time of life when you will be tempted in all sorts of ways. You will be having great joys and great struggles, usually at midnight in the library, the day before tests. I'm not going to lie to you, it's going to be hard. Will is smiling at me because he's like, it's probably going to be in the Jeep somewhere. <laughs> but we're going to look at a passage, and this is Jesus praying for his disciples. Because he's about to go be with the Father. He's about to be crucified, buried, raised up, and then he will be ascended into heaven, waiting for his return. And in the midst of this, from, from John 13 to 16, you have a very long sermon. Uh, probably one of the longest in, in, as far as a cohesive sermon to his disciples. And he closes it with this prayer in John 17. And we're going to walk through that because it's my prayer for you as well. And it's God's prayer for you as well. And it's God's prayer for all of us today. A lot of people read this passage and they think of, they think of all the things that it, it pulls out. But we're going to look at, there is an overarching theme to, to this passage. We, we, we hear about unity, and yeah, that's in there. And, and we hear about... Um, uh, the, the, the way God possesses us. He calls us yours, mine, like you were there, you were with him, and that's part of it. 
but it's all wrapped up in the idea of being out of this world, that we are a people set apart to be holy. His prayer is that you, us, all of Christendom would be a holy people. That means set apart. You'll hear these words during the sermon. You'll hear sanctified. You'll hear consecrated, holy. All those are the same Greek word. It's hagios. You guys probably don't want me to say that, so I won't. I'll just say holy. And it's this idea of being a different, a, King James will say peculiar. It doesn't fit. Many of us have heard the term in but not of the world. It's really important that we understand that. So for you graduates today, I want to walk through this. Let's start by reading part of this prayer. If you've got your Bibles, please get them out. Um, you'll need them. This is the only slide that we're going to have. Um, because I really want you to be in your word. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab your phone. You can find one, I'm sure. Um, graduates, yeah, you can dig in your bags. There you go. <laughs> John 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given me authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Pay attention to that. Jesus is not just some guy. He was before the world existed. Jesus, our Savior, the co-eternal Son of God, is about to begin pleading for his disciples. Verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people to whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Jesus begins by confirming his obedience. He manifested God's name to the people given to him out of this world. He starts with the real heart of Jesus. This, this starts the real heart of Jesus' plea that we would be a people set apart. Notice they kept God's word. Hear this clearly. This is also what Jesus himself did in his model of what does it mean to follow after God? What does it mean to submit yourself to a holy living God? Jesus did this in his keeping of the word. Jesus' obedience and fulfillment of the word of God, listen closely, his obedience and fulfillment of the word of God is the, the single most evidential fact and way that we come to know him as Jesus Christ, the Savior. You must understand that. His obedience in following what God had given him is the evidence for us. If we didn't have the scriptures to show us what to look for, we wouldn't know. 
If he just rose from the grave one Easter morning like Lazarus did, and we didn't know that someone had called him out of it, it was just a miraculously event, then we have no salvation because we don't know who to attribute it to. We don't know who to place our faith in. His obedience is our evidence. Likewise, as we read this, to be a holy people, he is saying that of his disciples, they keep the word. How do you know if someone is legit? That's a millennial term. It means legitimate. If they are serious. You're going to see a pattern of life where they seek to obey the word of God. It's going to become evident. Now, I want you to hear me on that. It's not the cause of their salvation. It's the evidence of their salvation. It's not a conditional, it's an evidential. Now, some of us in this room, including myself, especially in college, got away from the word. And I got fooled into thinking, and many of you, maybe even right now you're sitting in this and you think that we have a, a free flow kind of faith. Whatever seems and feels good is good. You know, we're being led by the Spirit. We hear that a lot. Well, you got to walk by the Spirit. It's not just, I, I get called black and white and rigid and concrete and boring and, you know, whatever a lot. Listen to John 6, 633, or 663. It is the Spirit who gives life. These are the words of Jesus. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Everything that I could possibly bring to the table that would give me life, whether it's my own deep knowledge as I try to dive into whatever my professors give me, whether it's my own discernment as I try to figure out what's right and wrong and where to go, whether it's my own wisdom, our worldly wisdom, it's of no help at all. No help. We need the Word of God so that we can be a holy people, a set-apart people, not following the patterns of the world. Look at verse 7. Now they know, now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. Again, this is Jesus praying to the Father. Well, how do they know that? Look at verse 8. This is for or because I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. If you remember earlier, when we read many verses about what Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. 
How do they know? How do they know these things? Because Jesus gave them the words of God and the disciples received them and their eyes were open to the truth that Jesus came from God and they believed that the Father sent the Son and now they have eternal life. And it all started with the words of Christ. His word matters. They came to know because of his word. In Luke, Luke 16, many of you know this story. There is a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. There's not a whole lot of poor people named in the Bible, so you, you had a good opportunity to get, get it close. Lazarus, not the one that was raised from the dead. It's different Lazarus. Jesus tells this story of a man who is poor. He's sitting outside of the rich man's gates, and he's, the rich man's in his palace. He's eating all the great food. The poor man's on the outside. He's eating scraps. The dogs are licking his sores, and they both die. One goes to Abraham's bosom, paradise. The other goes to Sheol, or Hades, hell, if you will. While the rich man is in hell, he calls out to Abraham. He can see Abraham in this, in this cloud or whatever. I don't know how to frame that. He just sees Abraham. And he says to him, can you get Lazarus to go and dip his finger in some water and put it on my tongue just to heal me up a little bit, just to take this thing away? He goes, no, I can't do that. There is a gap fixed between you and us. You cannot cross. They cannot cross. And he says, well, just send, can you send Lazarus? I've got brothers. Can you send Lazarus to my family and warn them? Do you guys hear that? This is a good example for us. People in hell are longing for us to go and speak about Jesus. How do we know what to speak? What do we say? We study the word. We build our lives on the rock. Not, not, not just as if this is God, but Jesus is the rock and he says, if you follow my words, you build them on the rock. You build your life on the rock, your house on the rock. Why? Because they don't fail. Abraham says to him, even if one was raised from the dead, do you hear that? He says to them, they have Moses and the prophets. If they won't believe those, they won't believe even if someone is raised from the dead. This is coming from the man who is about to be crucified. And his life is going to mark all of human history with the salvation for sinners. And he says they have the writings. They have the prophets. If they won't believe that, they won't believe if someone rises from the dead. Do you not understand, students, graduates, people, how important this word is? It's not just pages. It's written by the Holy Spirit. Some of us lay in bed at night and we are asking, God, speak to me. Tell me something. And that is such an awesome thing. Open your Bible and read it. Long for the Word. It is spirit. It is life. It breathes. It's living. Students, how are you going to navigate the world ahead of you? If you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail. You must come to this. 
It is so hard to preach a message like this because my heart wants to come to you and tell you all the great things. You can be overcomers in Christ who will strengthen you and you can do all things through him and those are all true, but this could be the last time I get to speak to you. And I pray to lead you as an under-shepherd to the greenest pasture and the most open one you will ever find and it's this word. There's no authority in a man outside of this Bible. There's no life in a man, in his words, outside of these words. Take them. Savor them. Live by them. The resurrection is what fulfills the promises of God. It is what effectually saves you. But the word fulfills another need because the law reveals our need for a savior. It can't save us, but it tells us we need it. The prophecies reveal who the savior is so that we can identify him. The gospel reveals how to receive the savior and what he has done for us. And all of it tells of how much God loves us, how far he would go for us, and how we can love him in response. This is not just about reading your Bible. It's about keeping his word. Because we are people set apart from out of this world. We do not follow after the wisdom and understanding of the flesh. Verse 9. Jesus says, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. Notice that yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine. There is this possessive kind of reaction, our relationship with God. We do not get to come and try out Christianity for a moment. G.K. Chesterton said this, and I love this quote. He says, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Because you can't just come to it cavalier. You have to come to it all in. The only way you get to try out Christianity is to be a Christian. And when you become a Christian, you are His. He holds you in His hands. He keeps you, preserves you. Revelation tells us that He writes His name on our foreheads. Because we are his. Verse 11, keep them in your name. Verse 12, I have kept them in your name. I guarded them. Verse 13, why would Jesus ask the Father to keep them? Because Jesus was about to leave them. He is pleading. I'm not going to be here much longer. Father, you guard them. Take care of them. Watch over them. We are His. And the great thing about being His is you can never not be His once you've come. He does not let go. I want you to hear verse 11. 
Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. It is not enough that we just be in one accord. It's not enough that we just agree on some things. It's not about being nice so that we can get along. If we are to be one as Jesus and the Father are one, do you understand how much oneness that means? They are unified beyond belief. They are of the same essence. How on earth are we to be able to do that? It starts when we bow to the same Lord and we keep the same word. That we would be holy, set apart. Verse 14. Notice that we are supposed to be a peculiar people. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Those who hold to the truth of God will not fit into this world. Square peg, round hole, doesn't work. One of these things is not like the other, and we are not supposed to be separate from the world physically. I want you to understand that. We can't do God's mission and obey His commands by being separate physically, but we better be different. We are set apart for a purpose, different for a reason, sanctified in truth. Notice verse 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. What is truth anyway? Your word is truth. Well, who determines that? Your word is truth. God does. His opinions become our facts. Students, it is so important that you not be fooled by what's going to come your way. I believe the promises of God, that he has great things in store for those that love him, and that he will bring you the desires of your heart, but the desires of your heart come when you delight yourself in the Lord. Because when you delight yourself in the Lord, then he gives you more of him, and you will always have your desires found in him. Thank you for that song. That Jesus is all we need. Simon says, raise your hands. Y'all already asleep. Look at that. Simon says, put your hands down. Jesus says, your word is truth. Again, we're not separate physically. We are set apart, different, holy. Verse 19. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. I sanctify myself. I make myself holy, set apart, different. 
that they may be sanctified in truth, that they may be holy, set apart, different in truth. How would Jesus sanctify himself? What does that mean? I think that Philippians 2.8 probably sums it up best in that, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus bowed to the will of the Father. And we know that because of the Father's word. So we bow to the will of the Father by bowing to the word. He set himself apart according to the word of God spoken about him from long ago. He does it for our sake. Notice that. So that we can also be sanctified in truth. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. This, this little passage here is really important, but I'm just going to read the first part. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Some of you are going, what's the will of God for my life? Your sanctification, your holiness, your set-apartness, your difference. The reality is, our holiness is what Jesus has been bringing about all along. That we would be his chosen people. He started it from the beginning of scripture, and he's carried it on, and he will complete it in the end. That we would be his people, set apart, different, holy. Students, people, friends, family. I can't make you go into the green pasture and eat the good grass. I can only show it to you. And it's found in the word of God. If we hope to be effectual in this world as God's chosen agents... And we are plan A. There is no plan B. The only way we can do that is to start by being holy. Hebrews 12 tells us that without holiness, no one will see God. Do you hear that? 12.14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see God. You can slap Christian bumper stickers on cars. You can make billboards. You can invite people to church. It won't matter unless they see something different. Holy. In the same way Jesus came and manifested the Father among us, we go and we manifest Christ among the people. And how do we do that? By being holy. How do we know what holiness looks like? We read and we ingest and we keep and we love and we long for and we desire this word to be in us. Not, 
Not social media posts that feed you for a minute and then they're gone. But to feast from the word of God. Many of you know John Piper. I just heard this this week. Ironic, I was preparing the sermon. He said this. He said his biggest regret thus far in his life is that he did not read his scripture more. And you're talking about a guy who I don't even know how much he's read. But the more you read, the more you realize you long for it. It's very much the way the gospel works. The gospel is both the milk and it's the meat. You never outgrow it. Jesus continues after verse 19 and 20, into 20, and he begins to ask for not only his, his disciples, but for those who would believe because of their word. And what was their word? I think that Paul summarizes it best. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Many people will say, well, you know, the Scriptures, that stuff, you know, that's, that's just for the Jews, that's just for them. But what you find here is Paul writing to a Corinthian church, a pagan church, a Gentile, not pagan church, but a Gentile area, and he's saying in accordance with the Scriptures. Why? Because that's how we know. That's our certainty. The Word of God. Graduates, I pray this morning that you would be set apart that you would be holy, that you would bow both to king and his commands. So I say this, it is not, well, I'm not going to commission you guys out to go and be missionaries. I'm going to let Jesus do that. When he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have taught you, all that you've observed, teaching them all of it. You can't do that. You can't carry out that mission without knowing the word. And those are not the words of me. It's not the words of any other person in here. This is Jesus speaking to you through his word. Go make disciples. Not just converts. Disciples. Which means you have to go further. You have to walk with him. You have to build them up. And you have to train them up in everything that he taught us. Church as a whole, we have that same mission. And we can't forget it. We are a people set apart, and we must be in but not of this world.